the thing that holds people back, including myself, is that aversion to risk. If you have the will to do the due diligence and you also have the will to, this is what I want and I'm going to make it happen, then I would say just do it. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Okay, welcome to this episode of the Expertish Podcast. Today, our guest is Rob Thyberg. What's going on, Rob? Not much, man. First, I want to say, yeah, thanks for having me here. Hey, how about let's just dive into the bad stuff and tell us like uh, why you're kind of one winging it here today? Yeah, I uh, had an interesting Thanksgiving, rough and rowdy on the slopes. Actually, just had a a tumble and dislocated my shoulder. So, and now you know get to support that uh, sling through Christmas, but. Exactly. Hey, yeah. At least you had a little fun. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like that jab you took at me for football because I'm still <laughs> sore from Thanksgiving Day football. Well, that's the normal. Yeah. Know, like if you get hurt on Thanksgiving, it's it's you, normally football. You went right? hard with yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or you fell off the bar stool or something like that. But <laughs> but no, man. Sorry to see you. Uh, kind of you know laid up a little bit there, but I'm sure it won't slow you down much. But just a little background on Rob. Got connected with Rob shoot, probably maybe five months ago, six months ago, originally now. Rob's a uh, pilot of the Navy, right? And when he came out to San Diego to be, you know, he's going through some training now and just got connected to talk about investing. And then fast forward a few months and Rob purchased a multi-unit property on an IB. And now, you know, full-fledged landlord, uh, you know, fully, fully rented out with some cool plans already in the works, which I think is... Uh, Pretty, pretty awesome. And there's a few things, you know, I want to talk about that I was really impressed with during the process that you were taking on yourself as far as like, um, just doing some of that legwork to see your options, which I think is the, to me, that's the biggest part of it, right? It's like, okay, cool. You can buy this and you know what it is, but you research some other options to see how you could actually maximize that return, which not everyone does. And so that, that was pretty cool. So I kind of want to dig into that a little bit as well. But, um, if you want to give us a little background, on yourself and like, you know, this wasn't your first home purchase, but you know, uh, you know, a little, just a little kind of set us up for what you'd done before and we'll, we'll kind of dig in from there. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Navy pilot. So first went to Pensacola, actually graduated, went to California for a year of grad school, um, and then went to Pensacola for flight school. They shipped me off to Corpus for what they call primary flight training. And that's actually where I bought my first house. So a single family house. Uh, and we can get into it later, but it was not as seamless as uh, working with you guys. Um, so I really appreciate the operation you have over here. But yeah, I bought that single family as a four two, so four bed, two and a half bath, and uh, went back to Milton, Florida, for helicopter training. And then now I'm in San Diego. And yeah, uh, to finish your story about how we met up, it's kind of just happenstance. I was checking out of the squadron where I was um, in Milton and my chief was, you know, just doing the chief thing, giving us advice as we're leaving. And we kind of started talking about real estate. He was real interested in it. And I mentioned that I had bought a house in, in Texas and that I was going to San Diego. And he's like, well, I have the guy just for you, you know, right, right. old swimmer buddy. And I honestly 
I feel like that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it's not followed through. Right. And so I kind of just put that in the back of my head. But to your credit, you reached out to me probably two weeks later just to open up a line of communication. And I thought that was, that was pretty awesome. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. And you're talking, uh, you're talking about Rob hand. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, super cool dude. And he's connected to a few people and most of them honestly are kind of pit stop here, obviously for training and going to other places. And it's, uh, it's been really cool. And I appreciate him doing that because a lot of times we're just really trying to educate people. So when they get where they're going, they can invest. So happened with you being here and staying here and, you know, or, or being here for a while now and having, I think also having already purchased before, Gave you a little bit more comfort to jump even more quickly. But yep. yeah, um, I really appreciate that he uh, connects people so we can try to get that education because once one person, two person, you know, three people do it, it just spreads, right? Yeah. You know, it sets an example for the, for the other people around you. For sure, honestly. And I will say what was mainly like really impactful was that you guys focused on education and not necessarily the sale. So right. I'm sure some people can, can think, oh, you know, we, I got this guy moving to San Diego, like maybe he's thinking of buying and approaching it the way of like, let's, let's get this guy to buy is not the way to do it. Right. Um, And I think honestly, yeah, the way you guys approach it is incredible. Like starting with the education piece, which Mm -hmm. is what I was interested in. And once you get that education, you're going to move down the path to investing. Right. So to me, it's a long game anyway. Like you're not, if you're in business just to make the dollars, then it's, you're not going to be happy. It's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be what you're trying to do. Like, I honestly don't super enjoy those parts of real estate selling stuff like that. It's just not, not my thing, Yeah. but I love investing. I love the education piece. So I think anything that we can do to advance that's like really cool because I learned just as much off of every, every time we do something, I have a conversation. I learned something that I didn't know before, which actually I'm going to hit you up on here in a few minutes on some, uh, you know, cause we were talking earlier how I'm just starting to try to understand blockchain and some of that stuff. So oh, yeah, I'm yeah. hit you up on some of that, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think the education part's the really only way we can leave some kind of impact and, and for it to catch on because, um, shit, man, there's so much, so much money to be made or so much security to be made as well to hoard. It is kind of just wrong. Uh, you know, everyone yeah. should have that information and, and I guess it, to me, uh, these days with everything online, there's not a shortage of information or just shortage of quality information. And there's, and it's really having to weed through the disinformation more so than it is to have access to something. So it's kind of gone full, full circle, right? From yeah. it, that's the way I feel anyway, because so much garbage out there. Yeah. We, uh, speaking with Maya, uh, just outside talking about how much content there is online and it is incredibly overwhelming. Right. Someone who doesn't have, you know, a big pot of money to invest with real estate seems like the hardest, it has right. the highest uh, barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. You know, you can download Robinhood and uh, just start buying stocks right. immediately. And I think that's what a lot of people do and not hating on that at all. Right. Definitely own my fair share of stocks. Right. But the content out there for getting into real estate, I feel like it's, it, is almost shrouded in like an air of, you know, you have to pay, you know, a hundred bucks and you can hear my like video that's going to tell you the secrets or it's just like a ton of stuff. People are trying to make money. And I think the way you guys approach it is the relationships first. I mean, obviously I'm happy with it. I, it it worked out in my favor, worked out in your favor for the deal, but 
now you have, I made a friend mm -hmm. for life, potential business partner, you know, like, yeah. I think it's all about the relationships. Yeah. A hundred percent. We get on here a lot of times when I start talking about people who are like, maybe I can see, like I can see Brandon right over here through the glass now, you know, about uh, a few things like this um, before about just kind of being short side or long side in the thing. And, and the fact of kind of like the deals that's secondary at this point, because last year I was able to, because of working with people like yourself or other people or connecting people like you to say, if you were looking for something that I didn't specialize in or that I wasn't super up to speed on, then I'm going to connect you to somebody I know who, who is. And, you know, because the, that's really what it's about, right? The relationships and being in a network, that's, right. that's how it should work. Well, because of that mentality of it, so much more has come back. Not the sales part. That cool. That's cool. Keeps mm -hmm. it, you know, we've got our team. It keeps people, you know, like I love our team. It's awesome. They're, they're really good. Keeps, keeps that going. But the amount of deals that have come my way because of trying to help other people get deals. And someone's like, Oh, I yeah, like what happened with that. Did, this just popped up. Do you want it? Right. You know? And, and that is, to me is like, that's worth so much more because that's like the long-term money. So if I can, uh, that's so much more important to me than the, um, I guess the, the salary or the paycheck from what we make from this part of the business, but the access it gives you to generate your own wealth in other ways is phenomenal. Yeah. You know? So, and I think the other thing that, uh, we've talked about on here before many times is that people overlook the value of a VA loan as far as to really produce income, you know, and it really, it really does. Like when you don't have to put cash down, it's, it just changes the whole, I mean, and I think you saw it as we were looking at properties too. And I mean, well, shit, you found what you want, like, like that, you know, but also people don't realize like when you look at that property and you're going like, ah, oh, well, it doesn't cash flow as much as I thought. It's like, but you just, took a hundred percent loan. You have no money in it. Right. Uh, and I think in yours, you actually made money, right. right? Like, I mean, we'll talk about that. Like, you know, Hey, every deal's different, but you, um, looked at yours as the potential. I mean, you, you've picked a great property to start with that, that had great potential for what it was, but you also were already looking to how to add value to that property. So it just becomes a win from a win to a better win to home run as you do those things. And so being able to have a little bit of vision, I think just increases the outcome. You know, your ROI sure. is just going to be exponential from being able to know and to be curious and ask questions on how to add value to those properties. Right. And I think a lot of those, I guess, aha moments don't necessarily come from just reading, you know, an mm -hmm. article online. Oh, it no. comes from conversation and speaking about it over and over again, because all this stuff is it's there for me to understand, right. but I internalize it, you know, sporadically. Mm -hmm. Like I'll learn something new every time I speak with you. Similar to like you're saying, I remember we were we were walking around the property that I ended up purchasing. And yeah, I was I was kind of complaining about cash flow. You know, I'm a big numbers guy. Right. This is this gonna work out? And you just maybe take a deep breath and told me, think about it. You are going to get that cash flow with zero down. Everyone else who's coming to look is putting, you know, 20% down. So in this case, over 200K yeah. to get that cash flow that I'm complaining about. Right. And, and that could be dangerous for, you know, someone who like the, the VA loan, we can get into this as well as that. Yeah. It's not just free money that, right. oh, just take advantage because the government will, you know, fully back your zero down loan. 
obviously there's due diligence and being smart on your end that is necessary. But that was just a moment where I, you know, I've read books, articles online, watched videos, but something so simple just needed to be communicated to me the correct way, right. which was just someone who was there along for the ride, ready to answer my questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that power of conversation and the relationship is really what ends up getting you to the answers mm-hmm. that are right there in front of you. But some, sometimes you won't see it if, if you're not asking the right questions. And if you don't have someone who is willing to, to not bombard you with information, mm-hmm. they'll let you get there right. you know, on your own time. And right. I think that gives the buyer, so in, in this case, me, confidence you know, that I stepped through these uh, myself. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't someone who was saying, here's a great deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a great deal because of this, this, and this, and then just sign on the line. Like mm-hmm. you'll, you'll be happy that you did, you know, that's going to scare away people, yeah. especially yeah. when you get into the like million dollar and above price range. That's just a mental barrier it is. for sure. It's like million dollars. Right. And yeah, just the, the ability to let people internalize and ask questions and, and be there. I think is a incredible trait that you and your team have. I appreciate that, man. That was like super kind to say, but I also think that that is the only way we can um, really make that difference and let you learn it. Like we could walk out and just be the salesperson like, yeah, you like this one. Cool. We can get that project done. We can get that sale done. We can get whatever, but to kind of just provide the tools needed or provide the little guidance needed when, when needed, and let someone come to the realizations on their own, you're, uh, that's learned now. Like that's in your head. Like, you know that. So your next deal, you'll have that and you'll build on it from there. You'll have that to, to mentor someone asking you about your first deal, you know, and right. that, uh, and that makes a big, like, again, it goes back to being able to make an impact. If let's just say out of three people, we just get someone into something, tell them, Hey, this is a good deal, which some people, maybe they want that. You know, if they're like, Hey, sure. I just need a good deal. I need to make some money. Cool. We'll get you into that. But if we can let people learn, teach, mentor, whatever we can do, I'll tell you right now, like probably from on this podcast and just from people that you're going to be around in your day-to-day life, you'll probably be the catalyst to at least three people investing, at least three people investing in the next year, which I couldn't touch because they, people look at it as your business, like, oh, that's your business. You're supposed to do that. Right. Whereas people like yourself and when you have that knowledge and you can speak intelligently on it because you have that experience, there's going to be that person next to you going, shit, I didn't think I could do that either. Right. You know, yeah. like, oh, this is the same Rob that just broke his fucking arm on the skate slopes, you know, yeah, like yeah, I can do yeah, it, yeah, you yeah. know, but, uh, but no, that's, that's why, that's how we can make that impact. I think yep. so. I think that's really important. What, and we were talking about, we learn stuff every time too. It's funny. Uh, I reached out to you this past week because we have another uh, client investor looking at some stuff there and you had through your own research and trying to um, investigate things of like how much and how you could build onto your property. I reached out to you for a contact like, Hey man, who's that contact you had at IB uh, in Fiorel Vicha? Shoot. What were we looking for, for this guy? It was for the you asked for the planners, city planners yeah. office, the guy from the, that's right. Yep. Oh yeah. Because we're looking for the one for, uh, to see really what kind of structures or how much he can build okay. on yep. this new client. That's right. Yeah. So I reached out to Rob and so here it is like, you know, wh- what are we like a month, month yeah, and already. a half past and it's like, Hey Rob, uh, Hey dude, can you hook me up with some information? You know right. what I mean? So it, it, it creates a nice community where we can all rely on in shit, man. Like wherever you're going to be some other time, 
you you'll be transferring somewhere at some point and uh you might be investing somewhere i'll be like hey rob dude what's it looking like there you know i yeah. might need to get into that and that's what's phenomenal about our network i feel like you know that just kind of grows because they're connected everywhere right Do you know what i mean like you came from florida connected me by way of texas florida whatever yep and then we get to do a deal here but you'll be somewhere else i may be somewhere else somewhere that we'll be doing deals together or facilitating each other's deals in another state with without having to then revet any stuff you know i trust you like right. it, it's it's just that's the the real money maker from all of this yeah i'd agree so yeah i can't beat that so so basically that was my way of sliding in if, whenever you do transfer make sure you find me a deal somewhere <laughs> you know what i mean because i'm gonna be counting on that <laughs> but um how about for instance yours one of the things that was cool with yours you know we had a good idea when we you know first started making offers on your your property that you know you could definitely build you know, we had plenty of room and mm. we knew there was some good opportunity, but I had no idea what you could build because of that zoning. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause that one's a little, a little different than most we've seen. And I think it's pretty awesome uh, opportunity. Sure. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled upon the property in a strange way. So I am basically addicted to looking on Zillow, especially when I, when I'm interested in buying just clicking on everything, you know, set my price range. And I've, I had been putting multifamily because I own the place in Texas, a single family. And I've been thinking about, okay, what's the, like, I hear all these things online uh, about active duty guys or, you know, people using the VA loan and now they own this empire. And I'm sitting there thinking like, how, how do they do that? Like, there, there's like a progression that I'm missing. Like, so, and what I'm realizing is number of units is very important. Yeah. So I was like, okay, next purchase using the VA loan, I want it to be multifamily. So I was looking multifamily. I picked out a, a bunch that I liked for the location mm-hmm. and then also would run it through just a janky Excel calculator right. where, you know, I'd use the numbers that Zillow would give me and then I'd have to make some estimates and, seeing what cash flow like a very estimated cash flow but i use that as a metric and things just weren't really adding up because nothing was really producing cash flow uh, because the prices in the market were super high and i wasn't really thinking about like building on it i was like i want a turnkey so basically i want a, a place where i buy it they give me the keys and i can start making money immediately right which is pretty unrealistic but but it's a good thought. Yeah. So then I started, uh, I took off the multifamily tag and was looking at IB because, uh, yeah, we've discussed, and I know uh, you've discussed with other people yeah. about um, IB for a multitude of reasons, right. very bullish on it. Um, and I, I found this two bed, one bath that it, it wasn't listed as multifamily. So I, I think, honestly, that's one of the reasons why a lot of, investors it it kind of missed their radar and i looked at it there were a bunch of like aerial photographs and such so you could see the square footage um of so there's it's two houses and then there's a external garage in the middle and i'm not going to claim that i was the one who dove into the like looking into the zoning information uh-huh. basically on the listing right uh the guy said oh it's zoned right. as CMU one commercial right. mixed use. 
And that got the wheels turning because I had never looked into zoning. So I went on the IB, City of I, IB website and basically stayed on that website for like two weeks, yeah. just sifting through all this legal jargon and, um, and realized that my lot, it, I can build up to six units, which may or may not ever come to fruition, but that upside in many parts during the deal was in the back of my head right. when some sometimes numbers wouldn't add up per se. And then I'd realize that I was being an idiot and someone would be like, no, they actually do. You know, yeah. you're, you're forgetting this. But even when I was thinking about things wrong, that upside is just such a great thing to have in your back, in the back of your head. And so, yeah, I would definitely recommend looking into basically every town I feel like has the one or two streets where maybe it's a grandfathered in law yeah. where this was the old uh, strip for all the shops and now it's residential, but yeah. it's still zoned yeah. as commercial mixed use where yeah. you can, or high density housing. And I think a lot of people like me before this experience would just gloss over that right. because it's, it's like, oh, well, I'm not seeing what's actually there. Yeah like behind all the layers. I'm just seeing a house seems overpriced, you know. And and also if I can throw in too, like initially it was over. So that's another thing that allowed, you know, people will ask sometimes like, where do you get deals? Sometimes they're off market, sometimes they're MLS because there's a few factors with the MLS. Uh, and we've discussed that we've had conversations about it. Sometimes they're, especially coming out of COVID, there'll be suppressed rents because people, rents haven't been raised in a couple of years. People are just glad if people are paying rent, they've got whatever situation they are. Well, coming out now, prices have gone up or whatever. So rents have also gone up. So if people are just looking at what they're currently rented at, sometimes it's like, right. okay, you're looking at the wrong number and people bypass that. The other being what you just said, some, a lot, what goes into the MLS or then eventually gets populated to the Zillow's Redfin stuff like that is only as good as what the people enter. Like, so if the agent or the owner gives the wrong information, the agent enters something wrong, just clicks a wrong box or enters the wrong thing. It doesn't pop up on multi-unit. Cool. Right. Now you're at single family or maybe it's not uh, permitted yet. So they're just like, and just cause some people just go by the book and they're like, Hey, it's not permitted for the second one. So I'll just write it in as that, but I'm going to put a single family home. So there's so many things where you just can't fully count on the filter. Filters are great to get you the broad stuff, but sometimes you got to dig in. If you had not done that, not only would you have not, you know, found that property, but you would have never seen that zoning, you know, that would, that, sure. I mean, cause you know, here's this, you, we've gone from, you're looking for multifamily, you end up like on a search for single family that has a multi-unit that then ends up being a commercial mixed use zoning that you can build a ton of shit on. But if you hadn't, you know, dug into it to start with, you'd never get that far because, you right. know, like no one's going in and going like, Oh, here's a single family. I wonder if that's commercial mixed use. You know, I wonder right. if that's a, whatever, but you've got to like find that starting block and then you can start peeling back that layer. And, and we've talked about this too, is like, then you find ways to add that value or find ways to um, save money in your investment or how, how to leverage the different things. And, and with a little creativity, man, there's so many ways. And by just you know, taking that, like you said, two weeks to dig into IB's man, their website, there is so much good information on there. Right. It's, I, I feel like it's more, I think they have better, uh, better info in Imperial beach than like the San Diego city, you know, uh, website. Um, but it's so much, it can be, you've got to dig in, but it has such good quality information, but because you did that work now you see that like, 
it's important to see, like you said, maybe you won't add that many units, but the fact that you can also makes it valuable as like a land sale down the road. When I say land sale, I mean like, hey, what if you add two units and there's still two more? So you can, after some more appreciation, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to sell this off because I want to get this other thing. Well, now it's like, it's going to have appreciated. Uh, you know, time's going to go by. So that land's going to be worth more. And there's two more units can be built that someone else can see that value in and build too. So there's just so many ways that that can be played, but sure. you've got to put yourself in that position. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I will say uh, it wasn't out of ingenuity that I switched, you know, looking at single family as opposed to multifamily. It was more out of desperation. But that's a great point though. Do you know what I mean? That's yep. how you find sometimes those good things. So maybe somebody listening will know, well, shit, let me take a look at other stuff too, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and kind of insane, just, uh, I'll give a quick timeline. Um, found the house on Dude, a Saturday. Your timeline's ridiculous. Yeah. From, from like the whole part of it. So yeah, go. Yeah. I was going to well, touch on that too. It's like, funny. Yeah. That from the time that I met you mm -hmm. until closing a deal was pretty short. Um, but yeah, found the house on Zillow on a Saturday just Saturday morning, I like ran it through my calculator and then the wheel started turning in terms of this zoning and uh, called the listing agent that day, went and saw it that day and then had an offer in, I think the Wednesday, yeah, maybe Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, Wednesday. And I mean, I will say a lot of it comes from having at least the feeling that you have people in your side who mm -hmm, aren't going to mm -hmm. let you just like make a, a terrible decision. Right. Um, and so that was nice. But something I did learn is that, and you, you definitely want to do your due diligence, but sometimes there are times where action over inaction is key, right. honestly. And so, yeah, within a half a week had an offer in, and then that's where kind of the fun started yeah. where yeah. it's a couple weeks of negotiations, but that just taught me a valuable lesson that when I look at things, a lot of times I, what it scares me to be like, Oh, well I do want to check out this place, but maybe I'll call and set up an appointment for next week. Right. And then once I get that information, then I'll talk to Jay the next week. And like, so I can feel better about, you know, making this, right. this big investment. But I would say I, I realized that I had spent so much time looking and I knew this was something that I wanted to do that at some point you do just have to do it. Like you yeah. go out and start looking at places yeah, and, you know, shaking hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. that was a, a big thing I learned with this deal. Um, especially cause yeah, the one in, uh, Texas was definitely more long drawn out. I was hesitant at every step and I think that made the process even longer and what's funny is, is at the end of the process, and I'm sure it doesn't always end up this way, right. but you look back and it works out. Yeah. If you have the will to do the due diligence and you also have the will to, this is what I want and I'm, I'm going to make it happen, then I would say just do it. Like yeah. the, the thing that holds people back, including myself, is that aversion to risk. There's that one step where like everything's there. If you just did that one step, then you'll look back thank God I did. Cause right. I did all this legwork to get here and I didn't fall back and be like, well, maybe next year, maybe yeah. I'll, I'll look and, but the market seems high. You know, I, I think I definitely learned a valuable lesson uh, in that for sure.
uh, that I mean, that's huge too, that you got it done too. Tell you a couple timing things there because it came up with someone else, which is it's kind of funny. But the fact too of you're talking about the numbers, like that does get scary, and there's that definitely a mental block uh, for a lot of people, especially the first time to go above a million dollars, right? And <laughs> crazy thing is, like before long, you know, another year here, that's going to be what it takes to just get into the market at all. But for you taking that action, besides any value you're going to add, you know, I, I took a, cause I knew we were doing podcast day. So I just took a quick peek, you know, not a super crazy CMA or anything, but just took a look at, uh, you know, kind of what you should, your value would be right about now. And you've probably uh, around the $20,000 mark of appreciation since you closed. And that's again, like, I don't even sure six weeks, something like that, two months. It, it all runs together at this point. Yeah, probably. Probably four to six weeks. Yeah. 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 Somewhere around there. And you're between 15 and 20,000, just looking at the broad numbers, just in appreciation that time from taking that step, you know, and in that time you've already got renters in, you're already making plans for the future stuff. But you, uh, I think that's huge. What you nailed was taking action. You know, you have to, and not the first one might not work. You know, things could have happened. We could have found problems and we would have backed out. And yep. went back and started again. And I'll be honest too, when you told me like, I found this one, I think it's the one or whatever. And it was so quick that I was like, okay, I'm going to look at it. I'm just thinking I'm ready to just like walk Say you no. through going, Hey dude, like <laughs> did, did you think about this? Think about this. And when I got there and I started walking through and I'm like, shit, man, this is, you know, this is good. And uh, I was actually surprised, not because I didn't have faith in your ability, but because a lot of the ones that uh, people have already renovated and stuff, or they're, they're, they're slapping it together to, you know, make the dollar and it's like not always a great long-term hold, you know, just depends, but, but, um, no, it was a great property, but it came up when yours, I think when my had posted the, uh, you know, closed escrow or something on yours, someone else who was in the, remember the workshop we did at the uh, Mount Helix house, right? The mm -hmm. investor workshop, a couple of the people from there are, you know, the, a couple were like, Oh man, I just saw that one. Cause that would have been a great one, you know, but we're just, uh, you know, trying to get all our stuff together. We want to get the financing together and everything. Same, similar situation, you know, it's a VA loan. Um, you know, maybe we can get that one later. Like how long did it take for that one? I'm like, uh, that guy wasn't the same workshop you were in. Um, right. And yeah. I hadn't seen it. Yeah. No, no. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, he was at the workshop you were in. That was on a Thursday. And that was right before that weekend, which is funny because we talked before, but then we did the workshop and then you like that was the weekend you went So you're, you're like, Hey dude, I think I, I like this property. So from a Thursday of the workshop to you looking at a property on the weekend, I went and looked at it with you after that. You're in escrow less than a week from the workshop. You were in escrow. And then, you know, so literally a month from the workshop when these people are seeing this, they're like, dude, the workshop was a month ago, you know, and like, right. yeah. And now he's got renters, you know? And, and I mean, it was all good conversation. They're like, man, that's awesome. They were just like super impressed at what you'd found and, and, and everything like that. But they were thinking, it was like, okay, cool. It's going to just the fact of even getting their stuff together for a loan. Oh, it's going to take time to do this. Like, did you have an LES? That's really about all there is to it. But, um, but that kind of motivate, motivated them as well. Like, dude, we just got to get in there and do that. Cause they saw that one and they're like, just, just like the vibe of it, the feel of it. It is really cool. Actually property, a cool outdoor, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. good outdoor space stuff too, which right. again is a premium. You know, especially in anywhere in San Diego, but especially down that area, because it's a lot of good space they have for that one. So, um, yeah, that kind of motivated them. They're like, dude, no way. He was in the, the same class. Like, yeah, anyway, crazy. Yeah. And I will say I don't because I don't appreciate when someone is telling me, you know, you just got to have action. Like, yeah, what are you doing? You're just uh -huh. you're sitting around uh, waiting for things to, to happen. Like, you just got to do it. 
that's not necessarily what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. I think you do obviously have to do the work, but I think that my issue was that the issue that I was struggling with was that I was ready to do it, but I wasn't letting myself commit. Yeah. I had done the, you know, metaphorical soul searching right. to be like, am I ready to, to buy a million dollar house? And I had come to the realization kind of like what you're saying is that this is what's necessary. Like I, I want to own a multi-unit in San Diego for now. And that is what's needed. So if I'm not able to get over that barrier right now, right. Then I'm not going to own a place in San Diego because yeah. that is what's necessary. Right. So I think what I would just say to anyone listening isn't the pump up speech like, oh, just yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like find go find a place on Zillow and just make an offer. Nah. It's just when you and it's different for everyone, but when you know you're ready, like you're ready. And so don't let because you can you can poke holes in any deal yeah. and be like, well, that's 100%. the reason I'm not doing it. Right. But really, the reason you're not doing it is potentially that you're scared. Yeah. You know, like I was mm-hmm. definitely scared about points. But that also speaks to why having such a great real estate team and the lender mm-hmm. that Huge. just a bunch of people that are like, we're going to get it done and make it work. That really goes a long way as well of how we could have such a quick turnaround. Right. And, and you, you know, that too, like when you're, or your preparation and your planning and deciding what you want to do, because some people, their thing might not be the multi-unit. It might just be getting into their initial first property. It might be even bigger, who knows? But once you, I, I like the way you said that, once you've made the decision, that's the route you want to go, then you have to be ready to pull the trigger. So, you know, and if you want to get it done and it doesn't mean that, cause I've also had the other side of it where people are like, okay, cool. Hey, this is a, this is three units. Cool. Let's do this. And it's like, no, 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 not this one. You know, like, let's look at this and this and right. this. So it's not like every deal works out, but the mindset that you were just kind of talking about is not looking for what scares you, but look at what can make it work and then measure that against what the pitfalls are. Right. So, and I think that, uh, just having the positive side mindset of it is like, you're going to be able to see, like, if you're evaluating and analyzing this property, you're going to see what the possible pitfalls are. You're going to see where the money suck could be. You can see where the risks are. So if you're looking on the positive side of how like, okay, well, what's the positive? Does that far outweigh this? Cool. And then you're going in with that mindset. But if you're doing it the other way around where you're just like, okay, cool, this is pretty good, but let me just look at the negatives. Of course, you're going to be right. frightened to pull the trigger, right? You'll find the bones under the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That scare you away. And that's when I would be like, Hey, we need a, we need a price reduction. There's bones under this house. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you know, well, well that's another thing too, is recognizing what kind of market you're in. Cause we're not in a, you know, like we talked about, it's like going into, it. it's like, well, let's give them what they want basically to get into escrow because you're essentially applying for a job. Like, Hey, here's, here's my whole team. We're going to apply to own your home, you know, put us in escrow. Then after that, we can, we can chip away. Right. Which was a, also a really valuable lesson in this deal. Um, when we made that offer, so just to put some numbers behind it, the property was listed for $1.15 million And I wanted to not pay any closing costs because, and I'm sure you know people can relate. Mm-hmm. I'm an O2. You can look up what my salary is. I have some saved away, but you know I don't have a huge pot of money, especially because a lot of the deal that I was interested in was contingent on me spending more money um, later on. Okay, I'll get back to the the numbers. Sorry, 
So yeah, 1.15. And then you recommended like, okay, if you don't want to pay closing costs, we need to offer more. So we offered 1.16. And before we pull the trigger on those offers, we definitely had some conversations where uh, you were kind of talking me down from the ledge because things kind of got to like once you're at the precipice where it's like you either jump or you back up like there's no in between you can't stand on the ledge someone else is gonna go jump right you know and and steal it from you let's see so the 1.16 with the closing costs paid for was kind of what got us in the door right and initially i was like do we have to offer that much because we really only got 5k back if i remember it right we went up 10 and ask for 15. So kind of like give them, make them feel like they're getting more money, but we're asking for the 15 back. Cause that, that was yours, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you did a great job in explaining what you just said uh, a couple minutes ago that sometimes markets are different. And in this market, you just need to get into that acceptance period where then you can negotiate. If, if I had been doing this on my own, um, you know, I'd be like, oh, I don't, maybe that's a little high. Like I'm going to negotiate and I would guess that they wouldn't have accepted my offer, much less pay my closing costs. Right. So the ability to kind of look ahead and be like, no, the real negotiation doesn't start when you're negotiating to put an offer down. It starts when your offer is accepted. Yeah. And then that's where you start negotiating uh, was really helpful because it really did work. Yeah. In this case. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't even remember how it ended up exactly, but I know. It, you know, it just opportunities kind of arise and you're like, yep. okay, cool. We can leverage this. We can do this and that. And I think right up to the very end, like things would pop up at the very end. We're like, cool. That's like, cool. we're going to take three, 3,000 more dollars. Um, sure. and it was, and then not trying to sound like, you know, but our job is to like, you know, on your side, it's like, Hey, it's to represent you fairly. You know, we're not doing right, anything right. shady, but to represent you, our problem is not, you know, the seller in this case, it's like, that's their agent's deal. And yeah. If they leave a thread to pull where we're going to thread it, but it turned out, you know, turned out well. And I think they were happy too, because, you know, we got the deal done, but yeah, it turned out well. And it just, you know, you just gotta, like you said, once you're in there, then we have the leverage, you know? Right. So. Right. It, it being a two-way street that this guy wants to sell. Mm-hmm. I want to buy, but he wants to sell. So, and some people obviously could list it and they're, they don't care if right. it sits for months and months, but you can kind of, feel that out pretty easily by talking to the listing agent Mm -hmm. about how motivated the person is to sell because then it really is they've kind of given you the green light to take your money back honestly right Uh, actually another point that another learning point was when i showed up on that saturday that we were speaking of i called the listing agent and he showed me the house and he was uh representing the seller obviously he was a Navy guy. He basically, in a nice way, asked for my business as well. Mm-hmm. And he gave me some ideas, you know, like, oh, I'll only charge, you know, half the the buyer's fee and and like we'll structure a good deal. And I really did think it was enticing. Mm-hmm. I thought I had stumbled upon something that doesn't happen often. Like, okay, sweet. Like maybe this will really work to my advantage. And then when I checked it out with you and I realized that I can only be in talks with with one realtor, right? And 
I felt like the education and, you know, just being a, a good dude and answering all my questions, like I owed it to you, not, not to say like you had to be my realtor, right, right. but you brought up some good points that, oh, well, maybe we won't be able to negotiate as well. Right. And that kind of went in one ear and went out the other. And I ended up sticking with you because of that rapport that we had, had built. But now looking back, I definitely could have gotten screwed on the deal just because this guy, like you need someone who's looking out for the interest of the buyer. Right. If, if he's looking out for the interest of the buyer and seller, he just wants the deal done. Right. And so he'll phrase things to get, you know, you excited. Yeah. And if you don't know better, which I probably wouldn't, mm -hmm. um, I could definitely be exploited. Yeah. And so. that's common. Honestly, it is common because we see it happen all the time. And, and it's, uh, it, and we have people like they'll do the same thing. Like, and I, I'll say one thing, well, say, you know, cause you, it worked out great, but it's also the, the people that, um, the agents that were there, they weren't actually bad dudes. You know what I mean? One of them was like kind of clueless and the other guy was actually a really good dude. Um, so that was fortunate, but a lot of times people like don't reach out to listing agents on Zillow or something like that, because that's exactly what you're going to try to do. Cause most of the people that are do, doing that, they're going to want to double in because then there's no, uh, there's just no friction, right? That's like, they're controlling the whole thing. Um, so there's really no incentive or, and the other thing, like you're talking about, like we have people sometimes they're do something like that and they're just like, Hey, can you, can you take a look at this inspection? Can you do this? Not because we're like, you know, we do education for free all the time. I would love to be able to do that, but we can't because like, Hey, you're actually being represented by someone else. And then the other thing is nothing good comes of those other opinions. Like if I'm on the outside of someone else's deal and I'm like, well, I would do this and this. That's not to say the other person's doing something wrong. Right. So that's another thing to right. be careful of because when there's multiple people looking at stuff, all it does is cause confusion, you know, one. And then two, it's just, you know, ethically, you, you don't want to be involved. You know, you can't do something that's going to impact someone else's deal and stuff. So that's where, where it kind of becomes the, Hey, if you're cool, man, where I, we, when it's done, if you need help with, um, information on, you know, rental applications, credit checks, let us know. But until the deal's done, we kind of just got to be hands off. Um, just in all fairness to everybody, you know, but to your point as well, absolutely. We've so many people just get in think like, Hey, cool. I, I'm going to use that agent. I'm going to save some money. But the other thing people don't realize is they're not saving anything. It, it seems like it because they're like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, this much I can credit back, or I'm going to do it for this much. Um, you're not really saving because you're not paying that money. So it seems like, especially when we're talking these big dollars, like a, you know, million plus dollar property, saving $5,000 that may end up with you in a property that is going to cost you 200,000 for foundation work and you know, X, Y, and Z. It's just, it's just not worth it in my opinion, whether it's you're using us or someone else, have someone representing you individually. You know, if, if that's the case, like if you're a cash buyer and you're, you know, you're rehabbing, doing all this stuff and you know what you're, who cares, you know, go buy from the seller. Um, but yeah, just try to make sure that you have somebody on your side to, um, you know, kind of check on those things. I think that is big, no, no matter who it is, but yeah, it worked out like, you know, yours it worked did. out and like, Again, I was like shocked when I saw the property. I'm like, shit, this is, this is good. The area couldn't be better, honestly. So man, you, yeah, you hit a home run on that one. I'm, I'm excited to see how it, how it grows, you know, what you do with it. Yeah, man. I, God, I just love that area. 
Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. We just, and I think I told you we were in escrow, like a couple blocks away from there right now, someone else, like it's, you know, not me buying it, but um, you know, one of our clients and stuff is in one, a couple weeks, couple blocks away. And then a couple blocks uh, further from there. Um, we just got our, actually the second set of renters for a two unit that we just finished the rehab on the other one. Literally like I think yesterday um, they're moving in on Friday. So those two, and that's like right there as well. It's just such a great, great spot to rent, man. It's just going to keep growing. So, yeah, I will say I, I listed the properties for rent and heard back very quick. Yeah. Um, which obviously was very relieving, mm-hmm. but I think it, it kind of just, it, it made me realize that cause that was one thing that I was very worried yeah. about is will I be able to get renters? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't even list it on the MLS, right. you know, just mm-hmm. listed it on Facebook mm-hmm. and it got enough traction that I was able to, you know, vet people and, and yeah. find, uh, renters that I trusted mm-hmm. and that I think, uh, you know, fit. Yeah. And yeah, it, it totally changed how I view, you know, even looking at rent comps, like you're saying, a lot of things are potentially suppressed yeah. uh, because of long-term renters. And you really only know until you list it yeah. and then you can see really how much you can get. And yeah, that was eye-opening. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's going to get worse for renters. I hate to say it. It's just going to get worse and that kind of sucks. You know what I mean? But it's like, as prices get higher, rents have to get higher. Um, but the cool thing now is like your, your mortgage is fixed. I you know, know here we're hedging inflation. Exactly. So as everything goes up, you stay the same. It's great. Right. And that's another thing too, is uh, right now, San Diego being so expensive, like you said, but VA loan being like the lowest interest rate of all the loans and the loan rates have been so historically low, like all those things add up to the cost to borrow $1.1 million is what it would cost to borrow $800,000 uh, just a few years ago. Like, you know, we were up above 5%. So you know what's at eight. 50, maybe something like that. So you're, you're getting so much more for, because of that interest rate, right. Which allows you to cash flow more quickly. It allows you to, you know, it's, it's just amazing to me, you know? Yeah. People get stuck on, and I was the same way. I didn't understand this first, but you're stuck on that price tag versus, Hey, wait, how much leverage do I have from this? How much can I make from this? And and not looking at uh, even that appreciation from year to year, you know, like waiting, like, oh, I'm gonna wait for prices to fall or I'll just wait for my appreciation to continue, you know? Right. So it is an option on both those. And I'll uh, make a point just because I definitely didn't understand this uh, until speaking with you. So wondering how a VA can finance yeah. 1.15 million. Yeah. Um, on your O2 salary. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? <laughs> so that's the beauty of multifamily properties is that assuming you're living in one property, you can take the estimated rents from the other units yeah, on your property and those go into basically your monthly right. uh, salary that you earn. And so that increases your buying power um, from... I think for me, if, it, if I didn't do multifamily, it's what, seven... It would at the time, well, it would have been unlimited for your qualification if you, cause you re, you refied out of your VA loan, right? So yep. you had your full entitlement. Yeah. So it still would have been unlimited, but you would have been limited by what you, it, your limit would by have been by salary. your, by your salary. Yeah. Exactly. Or by your debt to income. So I think mine was 
seven, like mid sevens, right. something like that. Right. And, um, and so honestly, not, there's not a lot of wiggle room if you're trying to get a single family, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, but yeah. that's just how it is looking at the market. Um, and so really the only way that I saw to make a good investment was this multifamily where I'm spending more, but I'm right. getting more, right. all that upside. Um, so yeah, just for anyone who is wondering how, you know, some O2 who doesn't have a lot of, uh, money in the bank, right. like I didn't, I put zero down, like how you can get approved for that is, um, using the multi-unit right. strategy. Right. No. And it, and it is, it's, it's almost like a gift in some ways, you know? Um, and dude, this is such a great thing to leverage. Now that you've done that, looking back, like let's say the landlord part, because you know definitely the the cost of entry, that price tag is definitely uh, you know a stumbling block for a lot of people, a big hurdle to get over. Uh, a lot of times, just mentally get over. But to you or, or to a lot of people too, it's being a landlord, right? There's so so much fear. But some people are like, oh man, now I'm responsible for taking care of X, Y, and Z. What if I don't get tenants in? Uh, what if I have issues with them and stuff like what, what would you say? I know it's been a short period of time now kind of managing your own thing here. So what would you advice would you give or or positive negative feedback on that so far or, you know, what went well for you? What didn't? Yeah. So I would say that I definitely had those questions of, you know, I, I have a full-time job. Uh, the Navy's not paying me to, manage properties. They're paying me to, you know, learn how to be a good helicopter pilot. Um, so I was wondering, you know, how much time am I, is this going to be too much of a time suck on, you know, my everyday life? And so the realization that I came to was that I'm using this as experience. So like, you know, someone can tell you like, Oh, it's going to suck as a landlord or, Oh no, it's the best. The only way you'll know is if you do it. So I'm using this all as uh, an experience and also kind of the the way that I'm approaching my tenants. I use a property manager for my house in Texas because I don't live there. And I found that it's easier to coordinate, you know, a broken dishwasher with, you know, someone who's in Texas as opposed to making those phone calls myself from across the country. But I decided on this one because I don't have the experience with uh, being my own landlord that I wanted to be the landlord that I would want. Exactly. And and honestly, I don't necessarily know if this strategy will work out. And that's why I love using it as an experience because I'll be able to look back and, oh, well, I didn't like that. Um, You know, I didn't like how it ended up working out. Right. Um, So we'll see. But I honestly have been have tried to be super open. I've heard advice to oh, don't you know you your tenants should there should be like a veil between right. you and your tenants, which can protect you. I definitely understand that. But I kind of went the other way where I have a relationship with my tenants and want them to feel comfortable reaching out with things wrong. Um, repairs, you know, like, can I paint the house? Can I, right. I wanted to open that line of communication because I would want that, um, you know, when I'm renting. And so I will say, I probably haven't learned much from that just yet, but right. if we talk in a year, 
I'll, oh, I can oh, definitely confirm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can definitely confirm if this is a solid strategy or not. But honestly, that's the fun. That's why I'm I'm doing this. Right. I'm 25 years old. You know, when I'm 30, I'll have. I guess you know I bought two years ago, so I'll have seven years of right. You know, house owning experience that I can draw upon that I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. You know. Right. Right. And so, yeah. Right now managing myself, but I will say something that is awesome is negotiating the first year of home warranty right. uh, in the closing, because it's almost as if you now have a property manager that the seller paid for, um, because whenever there's an issue, you just make a call to the warranty company. Right. And a lot of times they cover basically everything that you could you right. could want right i guess you don't want to fix but everything that you might have to so that's been nice i yeah. definitely recommend especially for the first year cuz that's yeah. those are the like the growing pains right basically the the seller in my case paid uh for one year of home warranty and then now whenever a service call is requested so like dishwasher yeah. or toilet i just pay a one time fee um of in my case, eighty five dollars mm-hmm. to have them coordinate who to send. They send their guys, they fix it, right? And then I just paid the eighty five bucks. Whereas I would probably be one paying more, and then two, just the time and stress coordinating. Like I'm having someone else do that, right? So I would say that is uh, definitely something that I would advocate for yeah. anyone buying, uh, especially their first property, and if if you're having those concerns about being a landlord, the warranty definitely kind of saves you. It, it does. Especially I'm, I agree with you on the first year part. Like I haven't, I don't normally keep one beyond that, but I always feel like, you know, you're going to be able to have a better idea of like what condition everything is. Even after a home inspection, everything's working fine, stuff like that. It's uh, to me, sometimes it gets to the point where I don't, I don't continue the home warranty. But um, another thing t- for anybody listening is too with their home warranty is specifying because like, you know, when we ask for that, like a contract asks for them to supply and stuff, we specifically put which home warranty and what um, add-ons because if you just ask for it, not all cover appliances, not all cover plumbing, you know, there's different little caveats to all of them. So make sure you're getting what you want. Um, and I feel like same as you, like, I feel like that's awesome. You have that little bit of uh, for the first year, especially when you, Maybe you've just had to pay your, um, you may have had to pay the closing costs. Uh, maybe it's not your VA loan. Maybe it's not your second property, third property, or you don't, you know, don't have a VA entitlement and you just put a down payment. Well, you don't want to have a $3,500 furnace bill three months later. Right. I'd much rather have an $85 or sometimes there might be little things that have to be done with it. And so it might be 150 instead of 3,500, something like that. But, um, yeah, that it gives you that little bit of security where you can feel just a little safer kind of putting your cushion back together after purchasing the home, you know? Right. So make sure you get the right one though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you guys come in. Yeah. Or, or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just make that, ask that question too. That's another thing too. Like, um, you never know, like everyone's going to have different specialties. They're going to know different things. So ask those questions. You know, you, you ask a lot of good questions during the process of, you know, going through the, uh, going through the whole purchase process, which is great because we, you know, uh, we treat everything uh, kind of maybe it's from my background too, like, you know, aviation. It's like, all right, cool. We're debriefing everything. So each transaction where we're done, we debrief like what went well, what went right? What do we want to make 
hard, fast rule. What do we want to make a process? So we took from a lot of the things from yours because each deal is a little different, especially in these investments, uh, the questions and turned those into cool. That's going in the next workshop. That's going into what we present people when they start this process, because it'll to give them that feeling of like, Hey, cool. Here's questions. Most people are going to ask. So go ahead and ask them, you know, or here, read what read or listen to what, um, these people have already experienced or whatever, and then still ask the question. That's totally cool. But at least, um, know that those are questions you should ask or know that that's a normal question. We never want someone to feel like, oh, I don't want to bother them with another question. Ask 20 questions today. Ask 21, ask 22, because you know, it's going to make us better. And if we don't know an answer, I, I'll tell you like, shit, Rob, I don't know. That's a good one. Let, let me find out. Um, and then I'll know. Right. So, right. Like I didn't know, I didn't have a contact for the city planner and IB. Now I do. So now right, when we right. add shit, I'm going to like, Hey, you know, uh, just reaching directly out. So all that stuff is, you know, it's really good. Those questions that you, that people ask, do you make a difference to other people, you know, that come behind them, you know, cause we yeah. know that that's a question someone's having. Um, now we've kind of like, let's just say like your, uh, your investment, like obviously that's going to work out well. You did a, you did a great job. You picked a great property that's going to flourish. But then let's jump over real quick before we finish up to uh, a little bit of blockchain stuff, because we kind of just mentioned, I'm trying to learn a little bit about them way behind the power curve in that. And I guess you've been digging into that a bit. So why don't you throw out a little information on that, that uh, any listener might uh, be able to absorb, but mostly honestly me. So <laughs> educate me on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's funny because if there is a power curve, I'm definitely behind it. Basically, just in passing, you know, right before this podcast, you mentioned you got off the phone with someone who is interested in so tokens, if I understand it correctly, uh, tokens that people can buy, you know, increments as small as a hundred dollars, that then those are used for funding uh, investment. Yeah, yeah funding a, a yeah. bigger investment and then they'll get the interest returns back. I mean, just hearing that right off the bat, that's why I was like, oh, no way. I'm I'm super interested in the blockchain um and web3 just as things moving forward. So full disclosure like I I don't know a ton. Right, right. Well, you know more than me. Yeah. Well, so just digging in like actually trying to learn started like programming with a little python, like I'm a nerd, and just like reading up on Ethereum and actually trying to figure out how you can develop apps mm -hmm. so that once you know the power of it, That'll get the brain moving about, okay, how can I actually use this power? And it's things like that where just the ability to authenticate and like mass data storage that is non fungible, you know, like you hear about NFTs, yeah. but instead of just buying, um, you know, a piece of artwork that you can put as your profile or whatever, right? Which that definitely scratches some people's itch, but the, that being expanded to real estate, I just see so many uh, opportunities. You know, in terms of a title company, like yeah. who, if if everything is on the blockchain, that the reason it's such an incredible technology is that everything is you can trace back through every uh, transaction. You can trace back, um, and there's there's like no way to spoof like who made that transaction from what wallet right. um, on the cryptocurrency side, and so for uh, title companies, you know, even just identity verification when like working with companies 
Uh, I think there's just like a huge horizon. That is super interesting about the token idea because I see a ton of things online where people do that anyway, Mm -hmm. and they're not banking on like the real estate returns are real. Like people, when you buy an apartment complex, like you are making cash flow right. from the units and people in the like blockchain web three sphere are putting their money in to things already just on the promise that like, oh, you know, I'll make I'll make money back. There are things where it's actually fascinating. The some super smart guys where they're you're able to stake your money. And so basically making it liquid mm-hmm. for them to do things with it. And then they post APRs that blow savings account APRs right. out of the water. Right. But that was a lot of times when I look into those, it's like, yeah, but what are you like doing? Is it, are you just banking on like all that liquid money? Like wh- are, where are you investing that? Right. And like I said, I don't know a ton and that's why I'm always doing research into that. But if there's something like that where you can physically see like, oh, wow, this DAO that right. I contributed to, which is, I believe, decentralized autonomous organization. It's like groups that are like decentralized groups that come uh, together, which it sounds like potentially is, is one of these yeah. is people contribute to and you would literally see like, oh, wow. You know, Landing Collective Dow just bought that apartment complex, right. and I know that I own, you know, ten tokens, so, yeah. so a thousand dollars of that. And so, I think it, that is such a great idea because it reshapes investments, and kind of like what you were saying, it almost Robin Hood ifies it because it just makes it so easy. The barrier Accessible. to entry, yeah, yeah, the barrier to entry to to real estate is is scary because right. you have to deal with multiple parties on both sides with uh, you know listing agents mm-hmm. real estate agents title companies like all this stuff and it's fascinating that potentially you know you just buy a token that says that you own you know right. 1.0001 of that apartment building and you get the cash flow returns based on your you know fraction of ownership and yeah, I think it's you in the game. I think that would be such a that would be game changing for like big multi-unit investments where and I also am speaking out of my knowledge base, but I'm anticipating that coming up with those sums of money are tough. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the harder things is is getting, you know, someone to stake millions of dollars. And so if you can just you know, take a million people that all invest $5. Right. It's like, well, that's $5 million to, to buy your, you know, apartment complex yeah. or campground, RV park, whatever. Yeah. I think there's a lot of money and I think there's a lot of people willing to spend money. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, um, a DAO just recently called Constitution DAO that raised $45 million in, I believe, and you could check me on it, but I believe it was like in a week. It was a, a very compressed timeline um, to buy a copy of the US Constitution. They actually, yeah, they actually didn't succeed because someone bid uh, up over them. But that demonstrated the power that it, it like, it, that wouldn't contribute anything to anyone's life. Like if, if they were able to, you know, buy right. the, a copy of the US Constitution, there were people willing to stake 
you know, collectively $45 million to never, like maybe they don't even see the thing. Yeah. It's just like, they know that, that like, Hey, I contributed. So it's like, there's so much money that people online yeah. are almost like looking to spend. When you had mentioned too, about like raising the big capital, I'll say this. And strangely enough, and I would have thought the same a while ago, but once you kind of uh, network into the certain, and it depends, right? Like if it's real estate, you learn the people that will, will, you know, invest in those type of things. What's weird is kind of like when you said too, like when you first start, are you buy a, you know, like your purchase, so you're going to have to deal with agents on both sides, escrow, title, all these things. Once you get past that first one or second one, like if you're in the same area and then like, let's say you've got your team, that just kind of happens. Now, once you've built that trust, right? You're like, Hey, cool. I'm looking to get this kind of return. This is kind of what I'm looking at doing. Can you help me make this happen? And then that your team of people that you put together goes out and more or less does it for you, but you've already vetted and worked with them. So you know that same thing kind of happens on these big deals. So it's not so difficult necessarily to fund that because people want to make money. So if you can show like, Hey, here, we're, we're going after this because it's going to be this return. This is how it's going to be paid back over how many years. There's so much people will hand the money over where it becomes difficult is like we were talking, you know, just before the podcast a little bit about that's when you have the like qualified investors and stuff like, and a lot of times it's like no lower than a hundred thousand or 250,000, depending on the type of deal to invest. So there's all that kind of money, but where it tends, in my opinion, lacks is there's just so many other people that would love to get their feet in the door and start somewhere where they could. And I think this is what that allows, you right. know, like, yeah. Hey, anyway, at any rate, like shit, man, you might have a 12 year old that saved up as, you know, birthday money and like wants to buy a token, you know, a hundred dollar token for, you know, one year or something. Now this, this 12 year old owns a piece of some apartment complex and it sticks in their head and it grows from there. And then, you know, they keep doing that stuff. I think that's where it can really make a big difference. And like you said, it shows the power of how quickly people can mobilize money. Right. How insane is that? Like, I'm so far behind. I like literally everything I learned about this, you know, I've purchased little things here and there just to, it's really for me, that's like gambling. I might as well be playing craps or blackjack. It's like, right, I just want to watch this and I don't have time to really learn it at that time. So I'll buy something, right? And like, sure. oh, up, down. I don't know what the hell's going on, whatever. Um, but it just, it, just, to, just to see it go, everything that I actually understand, which is nothing, I learned in that phone call that right before you got here and yeah, then from yeah. talking to you before we came in here and just now, and I'm now I'm more, before I could care less, to be totally honest, because it was just like, I've got other things taking that bandwidth. But now I'm super excited to learn some more about that and Maybe actually, maybe you should come uh, back in, I think we're in two weeks. We're doing this. The guy I was talking to on the phone, uh, Josh, Josh Emerson, going to talk about his um, startup for that, for the blockchain startup to, to sell these tokens and stuff. So we're going to do the episode in about two weeks. So maybe you should come back and kind of be that third person, second host. So you can ask some more questions that I may not yeah. have. I would definitely know? have nothing to contribute on the answer side, but. Well, hey, man, I just need the question questions. side. That's all I'm, yeah, all I'm contributing is I might contribute to whiskey and some questions. That's right, kind of yeah. as far as I get on this one. And, and just to uh, mooch uh, information off of him, you know, kind of learn, get a little bit of his knowledge and stuff and, and hopefully spread that, uh, spread the word and stuff and get people, hopefully people will get into it because that just leads to investing in the next thing, next thing, next thing. And uh, man, it can't be bad, right? Well, yeah. I, I shouldn't say that. I'm not, that's not a challenge for just to end badly, but you know, I, right. I, I just the knowledge can't be bad. Right. No, that's awesome. Well, anything you want to leave people with? Any uh, parting words of wisdom or wisdom of what not to do? Well, I would say, 
I mean, honestly, aptly phrased words of wisdom, that's what's so great about using the VA loan is that you don't have to be rich. Uh, you don't even have to be wise. I am, for, like, for all intents and purposes, an idiot in you know how I live my personal <laughs> life, like all this stuff. Like, come, come find me uh, if you live in San Diego. If you want to speak with me on the phone, you can reach out to Jay. Um, I'm a real person who did this and I'm, I'm still working through. But I, I want to pass on that it's, it's not... You, know, you don't have to be some wise... You know, I, I've, I've figured everything out. Um, I think the most attractive part is how accessible it is. But you have to get over that barrier to entry. And what gets me over that is speaking with real life people who have done it, not a talking head on, yeah. on the internet. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if you're ever in Pacific Beach, you can swing by my house, reach out to Jay for my phone number. Uh, I'd love to talk to anybody who has questions. And yeah, not to say at all that I have things figured out, but we found a pretty good deal in IB. And like I said, that goes to, to show how important the team is. So Jay at Landing Collective, and then I worked with Jared over at Aligned Mortgage. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So, hey man, I really appreciate that. It was super fun. Yeah, uh, that's the other thing is uh, when we work with people, you know, we we get to vet. I don't want to say vet, but like we, we try to help, you know, everyone we can. But we tend to draw the people that we like being around. So it doesn't seem so much like work. So it's just like like same shit we're doing now. We were doing while you were doing your transaction. We're really just talking about real estate yep. plus you know pros cons and talking you know t- talking trash and. And doing whatever and so it just becomes uh yeah it becomes social life slash business and it's kind of not so bad yeah i heard a great quote that if you wouldn't work with somebody for a lifetime right don't work with them for one day which i think really is is a great you yeah. know it, it pairs down the people that you want to work with especially in the real estate side when there's just billboards of people right, that are right. number one at selling your home yeah take some time to find the people that you wouldn't mind working with for your life. And I, I truly do think that that's why this deal came together. All right. That's awesome, man. Uh, hopefully we'll get some more together or wherever you go, I'll, you know, you can scout some out for me, but we'll definitely for do sure. some more yeah, stuff. Man. And, uh, anybody has questions for Rob, like I said, uh, happy to connect you to him. You can go to expertspodcast.com and, you know, just throw a message on there. Any questions, we'll pass it to Rob or anything else that you want to hear about, let us know and we'll try to make it happen. And yeah, that's it, man. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. If you could use an inexpensive and super convenient healthcare option, I definitely recommend checking out Skill Mills Telehealth. For me, when I did the research, it turned out that their program worked well as a supplement to VA Medical. So that's the route I went. If you go to their website for the information, skillmill.com, that's S-K-I-L-L-M-I-L.com. Go to the top, click on the telehealth button, and it'll take you to another page with the information on all their programs. Super easy, super easy to sign up. If you click on the get started button, fill in a little bit of basic info, you could even use your referral code expertish podcast in the drop down. And then from there, they'll take care of you and you're all set. Definitely highly recommend checking that out.